us, Lord. And that's why we're here this morning to listen to the word from God himself into our hearts. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Christine and I'm part of the CBC family here. And I would like to share at the very beginning with you a Twitter story. Now, I guess some of you might be a little surprised that I'm into Twitter, but I absolutely love it. You see, just outside the front window of our house and across the street, there is a telegraph pole with wires going to and fro to the different houses. It is a Twitter story. And I have observed that on very many occasions, there will be a gathering together and a meeting of starlings on these wires. And what's absolutely fascinating is that they will perch alongside each other. And when in, someone joins them, I mean someone, I'm getting personal, I know, but when a, another one joins, they make a point of shuffling along to make space and room for them. And this continues as the number increases. Now, the majority of times I've noticed that they will perch on the same wire. But occasionally, there will be one who will choose to have their own space on the wire underneath. And sometimes, one will just fly up and make space and room without any fuss for the others. Change positions, in fact. And on occasions, there will be one or two who sit on the very top of the pole itself, obviously trying to get a higher view of things. And whatever signal they give to one another, they all fly off together. But in the evening, and you might be aware of this, in the evening before starlings roost, they can gather in absolutely huge numbers and they can make the most amazing maneuvers and shapes and patterns in the sky as they go in a formation of wonderful togetherness and oneness. And the beauty of this display has a collective impact known as starling murmurations, not twitterings. I googled it. And there are thought to be leaders and followers right throughout. And the amazing thing is they never crash into one another. So why have I told you this Twitter story? Well, I think we can learn a great deal from the Starling family. As this morning, we think about how the father's heart rejoices in family. And do join with me if you have your Bible with you as I read from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. And Paul is writing here to the Christian family in Ephesus. And he says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, 
when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended, higher than all the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So in the first three chapters of this letter, Paul has been highlighting all that God the Father has given us in and through Jesus. So, says Paul, in the light of all that you have been given, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, Paul was very aware in his own life and experience of all that he had been given and had received in Christ. He knew that belonging to God and knowing him as father involved a heavenly encounter and a heavenly calling. And it is God the Father's heart's desire and his choice that we should belong to him. And he absolutely rejoices at each new addition to his family when there is a new spiritual birth. He celebrates when we respond to come and respond to his heavenly calling to come and belong to him. And when our relationship with him is restored, he rejoices because we are where we should belong. And the Father's heart absolutely has always yearned for that. Isaiah 43, 1. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And when we are welcomed by the Father into that special personal relationship with him, at the same time, we are welcomed by him to belonging to his family, the church, and for us to be an integral part of that family. We then here, the local church at CBC, are a family of believers who are called together by the Father. I urge you, CBC family, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. It is a heavenly calling to be the Father's sons, to be the Father's daughters. It is a heavenly calling to be brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a heavenly calling to be his family in practice. We are not meant to be all by myself Christian believers, thank you very much. We are not meant to live the Christian life 
in a vacuum. The biblical image of the church is a really precious one. The biblical image of family. And it comes from the heart of a loving and a devoted Heavenly Father. In 2 Corinthians 6, 18, there is a beautiful statement of truth. God the Father's words to you and to me. Take hold of it. It says this, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. I will be a father to you. In other words, I will father you. He is a present father, always there, never absent. And we belong to him and his family. Here is a quote from a Bible commentary. It says this, The natural family into which a child is born is intended by God to provide a loving context in which he or she can grow and mature. In the same way, a person who is born again by God the Father is to have a place in God's extended family within which close and warm relationships with other believers can be built. Jesus' love is the greatest of all stimulants to growth and is communicated as Jesus loves us through one another. So God's family here then at CBC is the environment wherein we are to love, value, support, encourage one another to grow up and mature together in Jesus. This is what Paul is talking about here, and this is what makes the Father's heart rejoice. Gosh, I wonder how many of our families represented here have ever used the expression, oh, do grow up, and that's just the children to the parents. We know that growing up and maturing doesn't happen in an instant in family life, does it? I mean, we all have our funny little ways, and some of us more than others. That's actually an expression that's used in our household. And then afterwards, it's added, oh, I still love you. <laughs> family life can involve many joys, many growing pains, and many challenges. And that is also very true and realistic within the church family. We are called from different backgrounds, we are different personalities. We are at different ages and stages of life. But in Jesus, we share his new life. We are bonded together spiritually in him. He is the source of our life, and he is the head of the family. He is the boss. And I think the teaching that Paul gives us here provides an insight into the Father's heart and his heart's desire for us, his family. It's as if he's giving us a portrait of family life and family values. And he also importantly shows us what we realistically need in order to grow and mature together. What we need in order to become and to express that family life in practice and in a way that will make the Father's heart rejoice. Firstly then, we are a family who are called together by the Father. And then Paul tells us that we are a family who are to be distinctive together. Distinctive in having Jesus' character traits that will impact our conduct and our relationships with one another. 
characteristics that will enable us to grow and mature together, characteristics that will also help us to uphold and maintain unity in the family. And here they are, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And all of these relational characteristics and qualities are about us having a loving consideration and a valuing of each other in the same way as our Heavenly Father loves and values us. I think these qualities are interlocked and woven together. We don't pick and choose them. They are to be built into our own personal, person character and into the character of our relationships with one another. Where do they come from? They come from the heart and the hand of our Heavenly Father. And we do need them all. I know I do. And especially on these occasions when mm, we might not be liking one another. Paul, in his letter to the Colossian church family, also talks about them there. And he likens them there to a wardrobe of beautifully designed clothing. Now, I guess not many of us will be into designer clothing, but this clothing comes from the top royal designer and freely gifted to us. The quality, beautiful, never fades, never wears out. Colossians 3, 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, God's family, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Very similar to what Paul has said in Ephesians. But then he goes on. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect harmony or unity. This is such a beautiful picture of the whole garment we are being given. It's like an all-in-one bodysuit, if you like, and it is there available for us to put on through Jesus. This is to be the distinctive character and the characteristics of the Father's family that he calls us to grow and to mature in. Of course, that raises the question and the challenge. Is this what we are seeking to be and to display in the life of the CBC family here? Is this the kind of collective impact that we desire and are seeking to make, not just within the family, but that all will see whose we are and to whom we belong. What kind of collective impact do we make as a family? Well, Paul goes on then to talk about another important distinctive feature in the life of family. He says, we are called to be a family who are distinctive together in keeping the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. In fact, in verse 3, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Unity is also very precious to our Heavenly Father. Unity actually constitutes who God is, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the very life of the church family here and throughout the world has been established through the unity, the oneness of the Godhead. The foundation of church family is built upon this oneness that we have been given. 
And it's described in verse 5. There is one body and one spirit. We are called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. This is his gift of unity that binds us together. So we, the Father's family, are called together to live in this unity, this oneness, and to eagerly uphold it in our beliefs and in our relationships with one another. Of course, this doesn't mean that we all go around to one another nodding our heads and being yes people all the time. That would be uniformity. We are a very diverse family and we learn from and through one another, rightly so. That's how we grow and mature together. We will bring different perspectives to consider and there will be times when we may agree to disagree while still upholding the unity of the spirit. We know, however, that the reality is, sadly, that disunity and division sadly does happen in churches. Church history books don't always make for good reading. The damage of disunity and division can cause a great deal of pain. And it also grieves the father's heart because it means that his children have either disregarded the gift of his unity, worked against it, or just failed to work through an issue and allowed it to erect an, a relational barrier of division. And sometimes it can be over quite trivial matters when the human ego rises up and refuses to humbly lay down, holding on to its rights and demands. So in church family life, we need to be aware of the responsibility we have to make every effort to keep the unity. And also to be aware that enemy number one, the devil, just loves to stir things up and cause division and disunity. He knows it is a tactic that will disturb us, disable us, and stop the blessing of God upon us and the growth of family life. But, as Paul says, when we make every effort, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to embrace the character traits of Jesus, to seek the mind of Christ, to work together to please him. That's what it's about, isn't it? Pleasing him, not ourselves. When we are eager to keep the unity, then the spirit of his peace rests upon us and God is able to bless and move us forward together to collectively fly, if you like, into the plans that he has for us. Romans 14, 19. So then, let us pursue, that's an active word, pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Live in harmony with one another. So we are to be a family who are distinctive in keeping the unity. And thirdly, the Father's heart rejoices in us being a family who contribute together by using his grace gifts to serve and support. Now we know that we are called and brought into the family through the loving gift of God's grace. The grace that involved the father giving his son. And as Paul mentions and reminds us in verse 9 and 10, the son who left the glory of heaven came down to give his life for us and then victoriously ascended to reign with all power and authority. And then the Holy Spirit releasing and imparting Jesus' life to us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what a collective impact of loving grace pours out from our God, both saving grace and grace gifts. So when Paul states in verse 7, but 
to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. He is now specifically focusing on the important part and the contribution each one of us are to make in the church family using the particular gifts that Jesus apportions by the Holy Spirit. I read a helpful definition of the word apportioned, to divide or share out according to a plan. There is nothing by chance or random about Jesus apportioning his gifts. These are distinctive gifts, intentionally given. And what is his plan but to enable us to grow and mature together, to support and build each other up in demonstrating the life of Jesus in and through the family and beyond. Everyone included, no one left out, all to participate, and we are given the capacity to do so by him, all from him and all for him. I wonder, is that how you see the church family here at CBC? Each person needed, each person to be involved, everyone participating and contributing to the life of the church family by using the gifts that Jesus gives. I came across this comment. It made me smile, but I also think it's quite thought-provoking. It said this, some people think of the church as a pyramid with a pastor at the top. Others think of the church as a bus driven by the pastor who takes passive passengers where they should go. God wants to see the church as a body or a family where every part does its share. Now, I don't think that either Chris or Kay would be very comfortable sitting at the top of a pyramid. For one thing, don't pyramids have a bit of a, a sharp point? Nor would they be comfortable sitting in a bus with passengers driving a bus with passengers. And just think of the implications if we were all just sitting and keeping sitting. Well, eventually, the ligaments and the joints of the body, they would begin to seize up. Not a pretty picture. And it's not a biblical picture either of church. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says this, each one should use, again, that's an active word, whatever gift they have received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various form. So our Father's heart rejoices when each family member contributes to blessing the other family members by using what Jesus gives. And we are very blessed in this church family by the number of people who are using their gifts to bless us here. Thank you. But it may be that you are wondering, well, how do I know what gift Jesus has given or wants to give me to use? It may sound obvious, but talk to him. Tell him that you are available, that you want to serve him and others. Be open to listen to him and willing to receive. Also listen to brothers and sisters who know you well, because sometimes other Christians will observe things in you that you just haven't observed yourself. Look out also for what your heart is drawn towards and look out for the needs of the church family, for ways to enable, support, encourage and strengthen others. 
Of course, Paul doesn't mention all the gifts here. He does elsewhere in Scripture. The ones he refers to here would be known as the equipping gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And people who have been given these grace gifts contribute to the enabling of a strong foundation of God's truth being built and established into the life of the church family. Truth that undergirds and anchors our beliefs and faiths Truth that unites the family in one body, one spirit, one Lord, etc. The truth of God's word that brings stability and security in the family and prevents us from drifting into the rocks of different kinds of teaching. But Paul is careful to point out that together, together we are responsible to hold to this truth, to walk in this truth, to speak the truth, all in a loving way that enables us to grow and mature together. So as I finish, this is the heart, the father heart of God, who rejoices in forming and shaping and growing us, his family, together in Jesus, growing and maturing us through the work of his Holy Spirit so that we may make a collective impact displaying a visible expression of who he is to a world who, let's face it, is desperately in need of belonging, belonging to him, of knowing him, of being welcomed into his family. We are called together to be distinctive together, to contribute together in making a collective impact that will bless and honour the Father's heart who is absolutely devoted to and rejoices in us, his family. God bless you. And we have a lovely opportunity now to come together in worship and to his table and to just reflect and listen and respond to our wonderful Heavenly Father. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. In a moment, as Christine said, we're going to do something that we often do as a family, share food and drink, in this case, communion. As we sing this next song, let's prepare our hearts to do that thinking of how the head of our family chose the cross for us. Please do stand. 